0: Hello, this is Jaden Fender. We want to thank you for listening today. We would love to connect with you on social media. Now let's go into the live message. Luke chapter 19, and I'm going to let you sit down, verse 26 through 33. And then in your sitting, I want to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 18. This is what Luke said in chapter... I said 19. I think it's actually chapter 1. I'm sorry. I don't know where I got 19 from. Maybe that's just in my notes. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Can I just remind you that as a child of God, you are favored, and the Lord is with you. But Mary's reaction is a little different than your reaction just now. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. I'm sure it was the the part of, you're pregnant, but you're a virgin. That's probably what troubled her. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never, somebody say never, Somebody say, never, ever, ever in, praise God. You may be seated in the house. And while you are seated, let me read 1 Thessalonians. And I'm probably the first one to ever read this passage of Luke and First Thessalonians together. But it will all make sense in just a little bit. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Keep your hopes up, church. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, The first time he showed up, it was with a cry and a stable with his father and mother. But the second time he comes to the earth, he's coming with a shout, praise God. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. For the next 10 seconds, I just need you to tell your left and right neighbor, encourage them with these words, that if he did it once, he's going to do it again. Just tell him, tell him he came before, but he's going to come again in Jesus' name. That's exciting to me, church. He did it once. He will do it again, but this time he's not coming to a stable where no one shows up except a couple stable shepherds and a couple wise men, but this time the dead in Christ, those who have given their life to Christ, accepted Christ, and have died on this earth. The Bible literally says they will rise first, praise God. That when Jesus comes, I can't tell you, I know all the kids are next door, so I won't ruin it for them, but I can't tell you if all dogs go to heaven, but I know horses do, praise God. Because the Bible says that God himself, Jesus, will show up on a horse, praise God. That those who have died first will be with him first in the air. And then those of us who have not tasted death that are still on this earth, we will meet him in the air. And I'm not listening for a baby's cry. I am listening for a Savior's shout on the second time. Christmas, Christmas season is upon us. How many of you have already finished your Christmas shopping? Raise your hands. God bless the three of you. How many of you are in the middle of Christmas shopping? Raise your hands. How many of you have not even started? Raise your hands. Most of us. I bought one Christmas gift last week, and I was so proud of myself that I had got started, only for two days later for them to send me an email and say, we have moved your shipping date to December 28th. So there goes that plan. Christmas season is upon us, and I love Christmas season. I love my family's tradition. I love all of the Christmas season and what it brings. I like the, 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 the decor. I like Christmas lights. All of those good things. And a good portion of the world, whether they are Christians or not, followers of Christ, they are getting ready to celebrate or at least give nod that there was a baby born in Bethlehem. You realize that people have had a nativity scene stored in their garage or attic that have never been to church. But they're going to drag out the nativity scene. They're going to dust it off and they're going to put it and display it in their front yard or on their mantle. And so a good portion of the world will stop to celebrate. But while we anticipate and prepare for Christmas, there are millions of others who will let December 25th come and go without a celebration. They will not even reference Christ or his birth. False religions will ignore Jesus. Atheists will lament the nativities and even file lawsuits against public places that would dare put a baby in a manger in front of a courthouse. But just like the Herods of yesterday, they cannot stop Jesus, they cannot stop His birth, And they cannot stop those of us who choose to worship not a baby in a manger, but a Savior that grew up and went to a cross. Aren't you glad that you are not like them that you don't know or that you refuse to recognize? Aren't you glad that Jesus came to this earth? Aren't you joyful that He died on a cross for you and for me? We as blood-bought believers, church, We choose to celebrate the advent, the coming of Jesus Christ. Advent defined actually means the coming of Christ into the world. It wasn't just the arrival of God, but it was the arrival of God in a dimension, in a physical body that had never been done before. Might I remind you that before Genesis 1-1 ever happened, God was. Before light ever flashed in the sky, God was. Before He parted the darkness from the light, before He created all of the animals, before He created mountains to rise and rivers to run, God was there in the nothingness. We have never seen a earth or never experienced an earth without God. The difference is, is with the event, God is not just in heaven, and it's not just his spirit that that was running across the void and across the circumference of the earth, but Jesus said, no, I'm going to wrap myself in humanity, I'm going to wrap myself in flesh because I want them to see me, I want them to hear me, I want them to experience me, but I'm really going because there is a devil that wants to drag them to hell and separate them. I'm going so that I can take their place. We really are not celebrating a baby. We're celebrating the fact that God came to us. We're celebrating the fact that when we couldn't get to him, he said, I got you when there was no way for us to cross the chasm that sin had created, God said, I love you so much that I will come to you, and I will make there a way where there is no way, that I will be the way for you. I will be the truth for you, and I will ultimately be your life. Advent means the coming of Christ into the world. He could have left us to our own devices, but he came to us. Another definition of Advent is coming into view. I'm so grateful that I know Jesus more than just a nativity figure or a figure that we celebrate. His birth once a year. I'm glad that on a Wednesday night there's a few hundred people that left their jobs to come into the house of worship tonight to say, Jesus you're not a baby. You came you grew up to be my Savior and I came to worship you. I'm so grateful that you're not just around us but when you came to this earth you came into view. What does that mean? Even when I don't see him he's working but oh I'm so glad that I have seen God. Praise God. And he has seen me. Advent means the arrival of. When Jesus showed up on the scene, everything changed. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. If I could encourage you in the room tonight and online tonight that you should thank God every day that He came looking for you. He came looking for me. I'm so grateful that when I was the one, when the 99 were tucked in the fold and they were sheltered, protected, and warm, and he said, but Brandon's missing. He didn't look at the 99 and say, I have enough. He said, no, I came for all of them, and I'm going to go and look until I find him. I'm so grateful for the arrival of Jesus Christ onto the scene. The Advent that most will celebrate and most will talk about is the Advent that happens 19 days from now. It is Christmas. And a lot of people would argue, and I think it's a... Uh, not a valid argument, and I think it is very futile when people say, Well, Jesus wasn't even born on December 25th. I'm not worshiping the day. I am thankful that He came. It doesn't matter if it's July 25th, February 29th, does not matter to me. I'm grateful that He came to us. But if Advent means the coming of Christ, the arrival or the coming into view, there are actually three advents that I want to jump into for at least the next two Wednesdays. Number one is Jesus' arrival on earth. That would be in Bethlehem, in a stable, in a manger, no room at the end. It was a silent night, joy to the world, that advent. The second advent is Jesus' arrival into your life. Because just because he came to the world, the Bible says he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Meaning that he can come to the earth, but you and I can live like he never showed up. So the second advent that we're going to dive into and celebrate is the fact that not only did Jesus come in, in, into a manger in Jeru or in Bethlehem, but Jesus showed up in the manger of my heart. And then finally, the third. Advent is one that has not yet taken place. It is Jesus' future future arrival. It's what we call the rapture. Most churches don't talk about the rapture, but I'm here to tell you, I am a rapture, praise God, preacher. I am rapture ready. I'm planning and working like God's not going to send his son back for the next thousand years. But, oh, I'm living like in the next two minutes he could split the eastern sky and call all those who have said yes up to meet him in the air. And there's arguments over. You think he's coming before the tribulation, mid-tribulation, after tribulation. I'm not here to tell you exactly when he's showing up. I just need you to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And when he chooses to come back, I'm going to be ready, praise God. I want you to be ready, praise God. I want your family, I want your mom and them to be ready. I want your coworkers to be ready. We have celebrated the advent of him coming This earth. Now we need to herald his arrival. We need to talk about the advent of him coming into our lives. And then we need to warn with words, with tears, and with our testimony Jesus is coming back again. Somebody say, I'm rapture ready. Before we get to the first advent, I just want to encourage us to praise God continually this Christmas season with the fact that Jesus did not have to show up, but he did. When he looked at a fallen world, as Adam and Eve took a bite of the forbidden fruit and literally began to see themselves in sin and see themselves, the second man, Adam, Jesus, was now called into into being, and not, not just into being, but he was called into work, praise God, that now you've got to go and make them righteous. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Before you wrap the PS5 to give to your children, before you wrap the tennis bracelet to give to your spouse, before you get all of those presents, remember the first present that was ever gave is the only present that will ever matter. It is the presence of Jesus Christ. It is not like God had many sons. He had one son and he sacrificed that son for us. He didn't wrap them in pretty paper with a bow. He wrapped him in flesh. And just like we will rip open the gift, it had to happen. But on the cross and before the cross, the gift of Christ was ripped open and blood fell, praise God. Flesh was open, praise God. But that is the gift that keeps on giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Him, you're not too far from the outstretched hand of God. You have not done enough dirty, sinful things to outdo or to undo the blood of Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can I remind you in here today that while we were yet sinners and still had the stench of sin and the filthiness of sin in and on our lives, Jesus died for us. When we were at a place where nobody even wanted to be in relationship with us, touch us, or be around us, Jesus said, that's why I came, so that they wouldn't have to stay that way. Let's talk about the first Advent, Jesus' arrival on this earth. These would be called lessons from the Advent. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now we know that Elizabeth is carrying one of the greatest men that would ever walk the face of the earth. We know him as John the Baptizer, John the Baptist. So now we know that John and Jesus were similar age. John preceded him by six months onto this earth. I think that is not ironic, but I think that there is a powerful revelation that John is born six months before Jesus, and he grows up to prepare the way for Jesus. He he grows up and begins to shout and begins to preach and teach that there is one greater than the prophets that is on his way. There is one greater than anyone that has ever lived. And he begins to talk about being baptized with Holy Ghost and fire. He starts talking and prophesying the book of Acts, things that had very rarely ever been talked about or prophesied. Joel would talk about it a little bit, but here John is just a few decades before this gift is about to be given, and here he stands saying, Get ready, because Jesus is on his way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Here's one of the first lessons that I see in the Advent of Jesus. Mary does not know she is pregnant yet. But she is about to be given the news you are pregnant and you've never known a man. But we are we are given this tidbit of information that her cousin Elizabeth already married. Can I tell you, if you are going to birth what God has called you to birth, you are going to have to learn to rejoice with those that rejoice. There are some people that are wanting to produce something, but then when the Elizabeths in our lives get pregnant, we say, why them and not me? That's not how I want to live. If God blesses you, I want to be the first cheerleader to say, look at what the Lord has done. I'm happy for you. I'm now, And maybe I'm not next. Maybe someone over here is next. I want to be that cheerleader saying, wow, God is so good. Look at what he's doing in so-and-so's life. I never want to begrudge someone's blessing.